Holy Father in heaven, thank you so much for giving us the privilege of life. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and mercy that you have bestowed upon us in that you have given us food and shelter and clothing and especially the spiritual blessings you've given to us. We thank you for the ministry of your holy angels on our behalf, of the work that our Lord Jesus is doing in the heavenly sanctuary for us. And we thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit transforming our lives. Glory be unto your name, dear Lord. Now, Father, I commit all of us unto your care that as we fellowship with you, your Spirit shall be graciously granted to us to the end that your words may have an impression on us, building us up and lifting us up into the most holy faith that we may be fashioned into the image of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Consecrate me to thy service and grant me of your spirit. Help us, Lord, to rightly divide the word of truth. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, November 2 under Satan's power. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offence unto me, for thou savourest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Matthew chapter 16 verse 23 Satan is ever intruding himself between the soul of man and God. This lesson in regard to Peter needs to be studied carefully. Peter did not desire to see the cross in the work of Christ. The impression which his words would make was directly opposed to that which Christ desired to make on the minds of his followers and the Savior was moved to utter one of the sternest rebukes that ever fell from his lips. Satan was trying to discourage Jesus and turn him from his mission, and Peter, in his blind love, was giving voice to the temptation. The prince of evil was the author of the thought. His instigation was behind the impulsive appeal. He was seeking to fix Peter's gaze upon the earthly glory that he might not behold the cross to which Jesus desired to turn his eyes. And through Peter, Satan was again pressing the temptation upon Jesus. But the Savior heeded it not. His thought was for his disciple. Satan had interposed between Peter and his master that the heart of the disciple might not be touched at the vision of Christ's humiliation for him. The words of Christ were spoken, not to Peter, but to the one who was trying to separate him from his Redeemer. Get thee behind me, Satan. No longer interpose between me and my erring servant. Let me come face to face with Peter, that I may reveal to him the mystery of my love. It was to Peter a bitter lesson. 
and one which he learned but slowly that the path of Christ on earth lay through agony and humiliation. The disciples shrank from fellowship with his Lord in suffering, but in the heat of the furnace fire he was to learn its blessing. Long afterward, when his active form was bowed with the burden of years and labors, he wrote, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 12 and 13. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Under Satan's Power and we are still looking at the life of the disciple of Jesus, the apostle Peter. Reading from Matthew chapter 16 verse 20 to 23, we hear the following. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offence unto me, for thou savourest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Amen. To understand what had just taken place here and put it in proper context, I want us to understand that this incident that happened to Peter happened just after Peter had confessed that Jesus is the Christ. When Jesus had asked them, as we saw in yesterday's devotion, Whom do you say that I am? Peter spoke up and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah. That's basically what he was saying. You are the one who has come to deliver Israel. We believe that you are that chosen one who has been spoken of, the Son of God. You know, Jesus usually called himself the Son of Man. He asked them, Who do you say that I, the Son of Man, am? But Jesus did, um, Peter didn't call him the Son of Man. Peter said, You are the Son of God. It was after that that Jesus then started to speak to them plainly. And what was it that he told these twelve? He told them, I am going to die. In Jerusalem, they are going to kill me, literally. And after that, I will be resurrected the third day. This was a very sad thing for the disciples. But Peter, understanding that Jesus was talking about suffering, he never thought that this was what he was going to experience while following Jesus. And he rebuked Jesus. That's what the Bible says. Matthew 16 verse 22. Peter began to rebuke Jesus, saying, Be it far from thee. Almost saying, God forbid, it shall never be. This shall not be my portion in Jesus' name. And all these things that people do, they snapping their fingers. Now, how about you? Are you doing what Peter did? Snapping your fingers when you are told that all that will leave godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution 
and you are saying, God forbid, who do you think is speaking through you? Who was speaking through Peter to a Satan? To understand again, I just want to read from Desire of Ages, page 415, paragraph 1. There it says, The disciples still expected Christ to reign as a temporal prince. Although he had so long concealed his design, they believed that he would not always remain in poverty and obscurity. The time was near when he would establish his kingdom, that the hatred of the priests and rabbis would never be overcome, that Christ would be rejected by his own nation, condemned as a deceiver and crucified as a malefactor, such a thought the disciples had never entertained. But the hour of the power of darkness was drawing on, and Jesus must open to his disciples the conflict before them. He was sad as he anticipated the trial. End of quote. So you see here that the disciples, they did not expect anything like this. Let us call this the cross, the suffering that Jesus was going to experience. It had never ever crossed their mind that this Jesus who they were following and jubilating, wanting to make him king of Israel, the opposite was going to happen. Not that his life was just going to go in obscurity. No, it wasn't going to go in obscurity. It was going to go in great popularity, but in a sense of negativity, suffering, shame, and humiliation. This must have been a shock to them. Here they were all this while wanting to be the next in power when Jesus is in his throne. But what are they hearing now? Jesus is telling them that the people in Jerusalem the leaders are going to crucify him. They're going to kill him. Shocking. Peter never thought that that would happen. And what was it that happened? Like we read in Conflict and Courage, page 312, paragraph 4. Satan was trying to discourage Jesus and turn him from his mission. And Peter, in his blind love, was giving voice to the temptation. The prince of evil was the author of the thought. His instigation was behind that impulsive appeal. He was seeking to fix Peter's gaze upon the earthly glory that he might not behold the cross to which Jesus desired to turn his eyes. And through Peter, Satan was again pressing the temptation upon Jesus. But the Savior heeded it not. Amen. End of quote. Peter permitted his eyes to be fixed on that earthly glory. Once more, we see that lesson again from Peter. Let him that thinks he standeth take heed lest he falls. This same Peter who Jesus had just said of him, that it was only through the influence of the Holy Spirit in him that he could know and say that Jesus was the Messiah, was the person who the next moment under the influence of an evil spirit of Satan spoke words that Jesus gave him a very stern rebuke for it perhaps the sternest rebuke, one of the sternest rebukes Jesus ever gave. What do we learn from here? We are to put no trust in the arm of flesh. This lesson shows that Peter was not at any time made the head of the church as some teach and it is popularly taught in the schools of today. You know, before here in the book of Matthew 16 verse 17 to 19, Jesus said to Peter, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, 
and whatsoever thou shalt lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Some have interpreted these passages that I just read now to mean that Peter was the head of the church. There is no such hint of a thing like that in the Bible. But to understand this more clearly, I will read from Desire of Ages, page 413, paragraph 1 and downward, we are told. We, we actually want to understand what is this stone that Jesus was referring to when he said, Upon this rock I will build my church. What is that rock? And secondly, what is the keys of the kingdom that Jesus said he was giving to his apostles? Those are the two things we need to understand. We just need to go back to the Bible and understand this. When we read from Deuteronomy 32 verse 4, we see Moses pointing to Jesus as the rock of Israel's salvation. In the book of Psalms 62 verse 7, David wrote, God is the rock of my strength. Isaiah 22, 28 verse 16, Isaiah himself wrote, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a foundation. Who did this represent? Like I'm reading now, Desire of Ages, page 413, paragraph 1, it says, Peter himself, writing by inspiration, applies this prophecy in Isaiah to Jesus. He says, If you have tasted that the Lord is gracious unto whom coming a living stone rejected indeed of men but with god elect precious ye also as living stones are built up a spiritual house that is first peter chapter 2 verse 3 to 5 then continuing it says other foundation can no man lay than that is laid which is christ jesus that is first corinthians 3 verse 11 upon this rock said jesus i will build my church in the presence of God and all heavenly intelligences, in the presence of the unseen army of hell, Christ founded his church upon the living rock. That rock is himself, his own body, for us broken and bruised. Against the church built upon this foundation, the gates of hell shall not prevail. How feeble the church appeared when Christ spoke these words. There was only a handful of believers. For 6,000 years, faith has builded upon Christ. For 6,000 years, the floods and tempests of satanic wrath hath beaten upon the rock of our salvation, but it stands unmoved. Peter had expressed the truth, which is the foundation of the, of the church's faith, and Jesus now honored him as the representative of the whole body of believers. He said, I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The keys of the kingdom are the words of Christ. All the words of Holy Scripture are his and are here included. These words have power to open and to shut heaven. They declare the conditions upon which men are received or rejected. Thus, the work of those who preach God's word is a savour of life unto life or of death unto death. Theirs is a mission weighted with eternal results. The Savior did not commit the work of the gospel to Peter individually. At a later time, repeating the words that were spoken to Peter, he applied them directly to the church. And the same in substance was spoken also to the twelve as representatives of the body of believers. If Jesus had delegated, delegated any special authority to one of the disciples above the others, we should not find them so often contending as to who should be the greatest. They would have submitted to the wish of their master and honored the one whom he had chosen. 
instead of appointing one to be their head, Christ said to the disciples, Be not ye called rabbi, neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. End of quote. You see, men are not infallible. Therefore, we are not better to follow them only as they follow Christ. Even Peter, the ardent apostle of Jesus, could be under the control of Satan. That's what we are seeing today. Then what makes you think that you cannot be under the same influence of any church leader too? who may also be under the control of Satan. But we are not left in the dark as to how we are to know who is being led by the Spirit and who isn't. Peter was saying things that were not in harmony with the truth that Jesus was speaking as found in his word. He wanted a smooth peace and safety message and he rebuked Jesus for prophesying doom. So also do false preachers today prophesy smooth things, saying peace where there is no peace. They lull the people as Satan wanted to lull Jesus into a carnal security. We are to test every spirit whether they are of God. The fact that Peter in one moment was under the power of the Holy Spirit and a very short while later, a few seconds or minutes later, was voicing the sentiments of Satan should fill us with a sense of the importance of testing every spirit with the word of God. The first spirit to be tested is ours. Peter's own spirit was in harmony with Satan's own. If not, he wouldn't have given in to the suggestion that Jesus would not have to die. It is because he cherished the belief unfounded in God's word that the Messiah would come and sit on the throne of David and would conquer the Romans and unseat the Herodians. That was why he fell for it. This false belief Satan seized upon to mislead Peter and tried to unsettle Jesus. Reading from Maranatha page 6 paragraph 4 we are told, Error is never harmless, it never sanctifies, but always brings confusion and dissension. End of quote. The erroneous view of Peter made him susceptible to Satan's suggestion. But then, Jesus rebuked him and after rebuking him, the disciples and especially Peter, they were shocked at it and he recovered himself. Reading Desire of Ages, page 415, paragraph 3 and 4, we are told, speechless with grief and amazement, the disciples listened. Christ had accepted Peter's acknowledgement of him as the Son of God, and now his words were pointing to his suffering and death seemed incomprehensible. Peter could not keep silent. He laid hold upon his master as if to draw him back from his impending doom, exclaiming, Be it far from thee, Lord! This shall not be unto thee. Peter loved his Lord, but Jesus did not condemn, commend him for thus manifesting the desire to shield him from suffering. Peter's words were not such as would be a help and solace to Jesus in the great trial before him. They were not in harmony with God's purpose of grace towards a lost world, nor with the lesson of self-sacrifice that Jesus had come to teach by his own example. Peter did not desire to see the cross in the work of Christ. I want to pause there. How about you? Are you among those who, like Peter, did not desire to see the cross in God's work? I'll continue. The impression which his words would make was directly opposed to that which Christ desired to make on the minds of his followers. And the Savior was moved to utter one of the sternest rebukes that ever fell from his lips. And well may the Lord say to those today 
who are preaching smooth messages peace and safety messages well may the lord say to you get thee behind me satan thou art an offense unto me for thou serverest not the things that be of god but those that be of men but then even when we find a person doing wrong what do we do we address it in the same spirit that jesus did the problem here with peter was that he was running away from the cross jesus then proceeded to counsel his disciples on what it means to be a disciple matthew 16 verse 24 to 26 then said jesus unto his disciples if any man will come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me for whosoever will save his life shall lose it and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it for what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul amen you see this is the truth all who live in christ will have a cross to bear and will need to deny himself peter was trying to shun the cross that comes with following jesus and so do many today giving to the suggestion that there is a cross to that there's no cross to bear or if they don't give in to that one they make it odious they make the cross to be something that we shouldn't look at pleasantly we are not to view suffering for christ as a sad thing but we are to we are told to rejoice in it jesus said in the book of luke 6 verse 22 and 23 blessed are ye when men shall hate you and when they shall separate you from their company and shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil for the son of man's sake rejoice ye in that day and leap for joy for behold your reward is great in heaven for in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets you see this persecution is a cross we have to bear and we are not to see it as a thing to run away from we are to embrace it in love for him who died for us paul himself said in the book of philippians 1 verse 29 for unto you it is given in behalf of christ not only to believe on him but also to suffer for his sake and then again in second timothy chapter 3 verse 12 he said yeah and all that will live godly in christ jesus shall suffer persecution the words of peter when he said that jesus would not suffer were not the words of god he was under the control of another spirit now tell me those around today preachers who claim to be children of god and pastors who are preaching smooth messages and telling you it shall be well saying that you shall not suffer for christ and saying that there will be no cross to bear the prosperity gospel of today finds its lodgment under satan it is satan that influences that prosperity gospel that is telling people that if you are a child of god you will be rich if you are a child of god you will not suffer if you are a child of god there will be no persecution for you who taught you that is it from jesus no over and over again the holy spirit's inspiration is to direct us to the point that there is a cross to bear jesus himself said whosoever will come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me what is that cross 
The cross is referring to the persecution, the opposition, and generally the suffering that you will pass through when you follow after the Lord, when you live by his words and keep his commandments. Even Jesus, we are told in the book of Hebrews chapter 5, reading from verse 8, Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered, and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Amen. And then Peter himself became a converted man. Like we saw, Peter himself wrote, he, he, the cross was no longer odious to him. Later, he embraced the cross. In fact, in the book of Acts, we are told that when he and John had preached, they were flogged. And the Bible records that he went home rejoicing because he was counted worthy to suffer for Christ. Acts chapter 5 reading from verse 40 says, And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Amen. And who were the people being referred to here? It was chiefly Peter and John, they were the ones who were beaten. And what did they do? How did they respond to it? They rejoiced. Like we read yesterday from This Day with God, page 263, paragraph 2. We are forming characters for heaven. No character can be complete without trial and suffering. We must be tested. We must be tried. Christ bore the test on our behalf that we might bear this test in our own behalf through the divine strength he has brought to us. Amen. End of quote. So, we are to understand constantly the word of God teaches it. Peter himself would later write in the book of First Peter, reading chapter 4 from verse 1. It says, For as much then as Christ had suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, for he that has suffered in the flesh had ceased from sin. And then again, he still told the disciples. In verse 12, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as some strange thing has happened unto you, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. How about you? Have you learned it? Are you still the one who, like Peter, would be saying, It shall not be my portion. I will be rich. I will not suffer. You are speaking that under no other spirit than the spirit of the devil. And well may you hear the word of Jesus speaking to you now, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan. May the devil go away, interposing between you and God. May the devil be cast away from interposing between his people, between God's people and himself, because this is the devil's message, not God's message. We must understand that as Christ had suffered for us, we should arm ourselves, like Peter said, with the same mind to suffer and not just suffer with sadness, but rejoice. Jesus said, it is enough that the disciple be like his master. Do you understand? that if you are suffering just as Christ suffered, 
then you are being counted to be on the same level as himself. Jesus said in the book of Matthew chapter 10 from verse 22, he says, And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. But when they persecute you in this city, flee ye into another. For verily I say unto you, you shall not have gone over the cities of Israel to the Son of Man become. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master, and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household. Fear them not therefore, for there is nothing covered which shall not be revealed, and hid that shall not be known. What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light, and what ye hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Amen. The Lord teaches us very clearly in the words of Jesus himself that we will suffer for his sake. We have heard it from Paul. We have heard it from Peter. The Spirit of the Lord clearly teaches this lesson that there is a cross. Jesus repeated it over and over again. Anyone who will come after him, let him take up his cross. What is that cross? The cross is the suffering that naturally will come to you when you keep God's commandments. When you choose not to steal, not to kill, not to bear false witness, to keep the Sabbath of the Lord, when you choose to turn away from all the filthiness of the entertainment in this world and in the internet and in the television. When you choose to do these things, the world will turn against you. Listen to how Peter put it. First Peter 4, reading from verse 4, like I read from verse 1, like I read before. He said, For as much then as Christ had suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that had suffered in the flesh had ceased from sin, that he no longer should leave the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. But now what follows? For the time past of your life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles, when we walked in lasciviousness, lusts, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot speaking evil of you amen so what is it that follows when you stop keeping living a life of sin they will speak evil of you they will hate you your own family members will turn against you jesus said i did not come to send peace on the earth but rather division father will be against the son and mother against the daughter if you read the book of luke chapter 12 reading from verse 51 it says suppose ye that i am come to give peace on earth i tell you nay but rather division for from henceforth there shall be five in one house divided three against two and two against three the father shall be divided against the son and the son against the father the mother against the daughter and the daughter against the mother the mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and i tell you something if there's anything that causes this division most go and check even among the whole world's families mostly in christian families it is the sabbath every parent will be okay with their child doing everything even to drink alcohol and take weed they will not trouble their children so much but let the child or the wife say i want to keep the sabbath 
I don't want to break it. And you will see the kind of opposition that will come against them. Just because they refuse to write exams on Sabbath or go to an interview on Sabbath or they refuse to go for a party or refuse to go for their jobs and you will see the fire of persecution because the Sabbath is the test for today. When you fail in other commandments, you may not get this persecution we are talking about. The cross that we are talking of today the cross comes when you choose to keep the Sabbath of the Lord while it is the test. But then, of course, there's still the other cross that comes in its own minor way that comes when we choose to live a life of holiness and your friends begin to mock you and deride you. When you start to follow the reforms of the Lord in health reform, in dress reform especially for the ladies, when you start to follow dress reform, you will see a cross. The reason many of us are not carrying a cross is because we are like the world there's no cross for you when you are doing the way the world is doing when you are living like the world there's no cross and this is what peter was running away from the cross but then we sing the song all the time on a hill far away talking about the old rugged cross and in the chorus of the song we say i will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown do you have a cross how can you have a cross when you are not keeping god's commandments if you do not have a cross then there is no crown for you. God has no crown for those who are not willing to carry their cross, who are not willing to deny themselves. That is the other one. Jesus said he will deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. What does it mean to deny yourself? That's the first part because if you don't deny yourself, you won't get the cross. You have to deny yourself your own desires, which is going away from your own fleshly, worldly desires and following after God. When you do that, then you will have to see that. You will get a cross. In your life, you may not have been seeing any cross. You're just living. Oh, everybody is fine with you. Start keeping God's commandments. Let us see whether it will remain that way. It is because we are not keeping God's commandments and that is the reason we do not have a cross. That is the reason we are not suffering the way the Bible says that all, not some, but all, 2 Timothy 3 verse 2, of all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. We are not suffering it because we have conformed to the world. But begin to trace your steps back. Find the old paths and ask where is the good way. Walk therein and then you will not only find rest to your soul but you will also find a cross. You will find the suffering. You will find the persecution. But then Jesus has said rejoice you in that day. Why should I rejoice? Because it is not easy. Do you understand what is happening? That the devil considers you to be on the same pedestal as our Lord Jesus. The devil will not bring suffering to anybody who he considers to be on his side. For the devil and for God to permit you also to pass through the trials and suffering. It is a token of his love to make you understand that you are on his side. To make you understand that he considers you to be his child. And that's why Jesus said, it is enough for the disciple to be like his master. And what was he referring to in context? The context of what he was saying was suffering, persecution. If they have persecuted me, they will persecute you. And that is what is showing you that you are like me. Therefore, rejoice. Rejoice in that day. The disciples rejoiced. The apostles rejoiced. Peter rejoiced. Let us learn to rejoice and not be like the old Peter who rebuked Jesus for saying he was going to suffer, but the converted Peter who rejoiced at suffering. So what is it you are passing through today? 
perhaps you are already carrying a cross. Be encouraged. If you have not been rejoicing, let us start rejoicing at the cross. And have you been running away from the cross like Peter? Not wanting to deny yourself because you realize that there is going to be a cross when you deny yourself. The Lord is inviting you. I don't know what it may be, what area of your life that you have chosen to run away from the truth because you realize that the truth is going to change your plans. Because you realize that the truth, Jesus, who was standing before Peter that day, the way, the truth and the life, he was about to change Jesus, Peter's plan and Peter revolted at it. Some of us, that's how we react when we encounter the truth. We revolt at the truth and say, God forbid, it shall not be. But the truth will rebuke you and say, get thee behind me, Satan. The truth may be rebuking you right now. Jesus, the way, the truth and the life is standing before you as he was standing before Peter and saying to you who are running away from the truth you have run away in the past because you realized that following jesus the truth is going to bring suffering upon you you choose to run away the lord is giving you another chance come back come back to him come deny yourself those things you 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 ran away from you ran away from dress reform you didn't want to deny yourself because of the cross and you started to justify it your case is really bad if you were doing that there's nothing worse than for a disciple to justify himself while he's doing wrong and to change the word of god and wrest it out of its true meaning to justify his position that makes him not to carry a cross how many there are today who are twisting the word of god to make themselves feel satisfied for not carrying a cross and for not denying themselves don't try to water down the word of God. Don't twist it and rest it out of its true meaning. Leave it the way it is. Carry your cross. Deny yourself first of all. Because when you deny yourself and choose to follow the word of God as opposed to following the world, you will see a cross. But then you have to rejoice because that cross is what you would use to exchange for a crown someday. You need to embrace the cross. Do not hate it. Love it. Because that is a token of God's love towards you when Jesus was on that cross and died for your sins and my sins. That cross that Jesus died on is the evidence of his love, the evidence of the greatest love ever shown to man. And if you want to show the greatest love to Jesus, do not deny him. Deny yourself. Then carry your cross. Embrace that cross and follow the Lord. Where have you failed in the past? Is it in health reform? Is it in the Sabbath? Or are you falsifying documents and trying to bend things here and there because you want to grab the world, you want to hold the world and its pleasures so that you will not suffer? Stop where you are. The Lord has said that we will suffer, not because we are just bringing it upon ourselves, but while following the Lord, because we are denying ourselves, a cross will come. But then, we have to rejoice. The Lord has said that even in that, He is going to bless us a hundredfold in this earth. He will bless you. Carry your cross and follow the Lord. Let us pray. Dear Lord in heaven, thank you so much for these words. Many of us do not love to embrace the cross and I pray, please, help us to embrace the cross. That cross where you died for us to show us your love. Help us, Lord, to learn to show you love by denying ourselves and carrying our cross and following you 
and teach us to learn to rejoice even while suffering for you. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. And I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. Jesus Christ now lives in me. I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. Jesus Christ now lives in Awesome.